0: Thank you so much for joining us today for our Life point podcast at life point we believe everyone's welcome nobody's perfect and with God anything's possible hope you enjoy
1: well good morning everybody how are you today? feeling all right with your sleep deprivation going on right now yeah we're not we're not feeling good all right we're tired and bitter no I'm not really we're not bitter I'm uh, so glad you're here, man. Thanks for coming out on a weekend. It's, I know it's time change. I know it's drizzly. I know that the spring break started this week, uh, but you guys are here, so you're next level and you're champions, all of you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're so glad you're here. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here uh, at LifePoint. Hey, before we jump in, i got to say a quick uh, hello and welcome to two special guests. Uh, leading worship with us today, a guest worship leader, David Holguin, wherever he's at. Uh, let's give him a big hand. Thank you so much, David, uh, for being with us. Love, love, loved hearing him lead us wor- in worship today. Fantastic job. And then... Um, A lot of you know uh, Pastor Benit June. Uh, He's here with us all the way from Haiti. Wave at us, Pastor Benit. Uh, Give it up for him. Um, We're going to be hearing from him at the end, so I'll save that for then, what I want to talk about with him. Um, We're wrapping up a series today called Swipe Right. This is our kind of annual spring slash winter relationship series, and we started out kind of basing this loosely off of a book by Pastor uh, Levi Lusco, who pastors up in the Northwest, uh, a book that he wrote called Swipe Right, and we've kind of loosely based that, uh, this teaching on on his teachings there. And uh, so if you haven't picked up that book, man, please do. So I think it'll be a great benefit to you, whether you're single, whether you're married, whatever, wh- whether it's complicated, that's a new phrase that we like to use around here. Um, but whatever it is, I think it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, last week, we taught you uh, a verse, one verse from, from Jesus uh, teaching his own disciples in John chapter 13. Verse 34, he says to his disciples, Hey, listen, guys, I know you got a lot of commands. There's 700 Old Testament can- commands, there's the 10 big ones, the 10 commandments, but I want to give you a new one. He says, A new command I give you. And then he says this He says, Love one another. Um, and then he adds this sort of caveat, as I have loved you. And he takes this word love, which we generally think of in terms of a noun. And he turns it into a verb uh, so that love in our normal context is something that you fall into like a pool, you fall out of like a tree. Come on, everybody, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but he says, no, 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 it's not just something you feel, it's actually something that you're going to, I want you to go do. That love is, is active, that it's, it's a verb you're, you're, you're doing. It's way more doing than it is sort of feeling. And then Paul would come on, and this is what we talked about last week, Paul would come along in Ephesians chapter 5 and Philippians chapter 2 and unpack those teachings a little bit more about what that looks like. And, and Paul would say things like submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he says, do nothing, in Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but honor each other, above each other. Um, and, and in other words, take all of the selfishness, take all of your rights and your rankings and all the things that you say I deserve and actually work hard at treating the other person in, in the relationship, whether that's a spouse or whether that's kids and parents or friendships or romantic, whatever it is, work hard at, at treating them better than you treat yourself, that you give up your rights uh, in favor of them, that there's this mutual submission thing. Now, if you missed last week, then um, I, I think you should go back and listen to that um, because I think it's a potent teaching, not because I did it, but because of what Jesus meant and by what Paul meant by these, these teachings. But what I know about last week is it's hard to do. It's hard to mutually submit to each other because our instinct is to hold records and to keep score and to go, well, you know, you did this and as we, because, because you did this, now I'm gonna do that. And, and, and instead of that, Paul says, you gotta get all of that out and you gotta, you gotta treat each other with mutual submission. And so the, the question is, how do we actually go out and practice this? How do I pick up this heavy idea that we dropped last week and carry it out here into my week, into my relationships? How do I do that? Um, especially when I'm sleep-deprived. Come on, everybody, I'm sleep-deprived right now. What, what we dropped is heavy, and so in order to pick up a heavy thing and carry it out, uh, we're going to need that thing to have some handles. So the title of today's message is, is Love Handles. Come on, y'all. <laughs> Love Handles. You know, after you've been married a little while, you know, stuff starts to go south a little bit. Uh, you know, you start to get a little little hair recession, you know, some... Some, some crow's feet, you know, the arm fat starts to wobble a little bit. And, and, and guys, stuff happens to us too, you know what I'm saying, men? And, uh, <laughs> some of y'all knew I was going to do that already. Um, I lost all the women in the house. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say, but love handles, right? Love handles. And what we mean by that is just some practical things we can use to pick this idea up and sort of carry it out into our week. And I'm going to give you several things I think, I believe full-heartedly that if you were to start to practice this in your relationships, particularly those of you who are married, um, I think you would immediately start to notice uh, things getting uh, better or stronger or more joyful. And I'm basing these things on my own personal experience in my marriage of 21 years now. Things that when I started to think about this week, what were we doing, what are we doing when when things are going at, at their sort of optimal, what, what are we doing to make that happen in that way? And so this is based on my own experience, and I, and I have to start before I give you any of these love handles, right? That it goes without saying, but I have to say it anyways, that you have to put God first in your relationships. That that's fundamental. That the moment you say God's an afterthought, or God's just something that we do for an hour and ten minutes, or whatever on Sunday mornings, that you kind of say, God, we got, we got our marriage, we don't really need your help. But the wise person says, we're going to make prayer part of our marriage. We're going to make our decisions based on what does God's words say and what does God want from us, and we're going to put God first. That When we do that, we're inviting God to come into our relationships and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. But when we say, nah, God, you're just going to be sort of ancillary figure, a peripheral thing, then, then we're saying to him, I got it. I don't really need your help, and I don't think anybody wants to do that. But I want to give you some practical things These are not deeply spiritual, uh, except the last one. These are somewhat, some of them are super obvious and some of them maybe not as obvious, but I think they're good reminders that, hey, how do I do the mutual submission thing? How do we honor each other? How do we treat each other with great deals of respect? I think it starts with some of these right here. The, The first thing, sort of first big category is to do the things that you did when you first fell in love, again, I'm talking to people, uh, married people or people who are engaged or whatever that might look like for you. Do the things that you did when you first fell in love. And what were those things? Like, you don't have time right now to think about that. But this week, maybe give some consideration to what were. And, and here's, here's a couple of questions. What did you do together in your free time? Was your free time sort of selfish or was your free time other like we're together in this? Well, how, how did you talk to each other? What were your conversations like when you were dating? What, what, were the, what were the conversations about? Were you sharing dreams and aspirations and hopes and, and vision for, what's what it going to look like when we have kids? What, what did you do for fun back in the day? Some of y'all, you have to think way, way back in the day, right? Uh, what, what did your dates look like? Um, what were you doing? Where did you go? What did, they, what did they look like? Did you try hard? Did you open the door? for each other? Did you, did, you, did you wait? Did you hold hands? Like, what, what did they look like? What, what did your, here's a, here's a tough one. And I know that there are kids, by the way, kids, uh, two or three times a year, we give our kids team a break and we bring the kids right in here. We call it Family Friendly Sunday. And so they're here. Give it up for our kids in the house today. I'm gonna be super gentle because I'm gonna be super gentle today because they're here. But married people, what did your romance look like before you had kids, Right? Like when they got about three or four, this was back in my day, Dora the Explorer, like you put on a Dora DVD and then you know we got 23 minutes and you slam the door and you lock it and then it's Go Diego Go. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's an old joke, man, but I had to throw it out there again. I'm going to tell that joke again in in the future, right? Go back and do those things again. And and then I want to give you a kind of a couple of categories underneath this category of what you did early on. Number one is make it fun, make the marriage fun, make the relationship fun, mix it up. You, You remember when you were dating. You mixed it up. You went out a lot. You laughed. You played. You get, you, then, then you get married, and it seems like life sort of takes over and pressure and, and, and bills, and, and it seems like the fun tends to go out the window for a lot of people, and, and we don't have time for money our, our time for fun. We don't have money for fun, and, and I don't think that's the way that God intended it. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit inspired Solomon to write these words in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Here's what Solomon says. He says, live happily. Everybody say that with me. Live happily with the woman you love. And here's why. Through all of the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun, what Solomon is saying is that there's so much of our lives that is rut-like and routine and and ritual that that some days we're like, gosh, I don't even want to do any of this stuff anymore. But, But the one bright spot should be when you come home and it's your family and it's your kids and it's your wife or your husband that God has given you, that there's happiness and there's health and there's joy and there's laughter. And then he goes on and says... The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. This is your reward, the the best part. And some of you are like, what? Like, I need a refund. But don't say that. (laughs) It's not helpful, man. It's not fun, right? And, And I would say that without adventure, without romance and fun, that marriage is often reduced, and I've seen this over and over and over again, to a kind of business relationship. Two partners living under the same roof, but living separate lives, really. And the communication is mostly about, hey, are you going to pick them up? Are you going to take them over here? And I'll go to the store, and you go there, and you pay that bill. And it's just this business transaction thing going on. But but what I would suggest to all of us, myself included, is don't don't give the best of you to your job. and, and, And listen, and not even to your kids. Save some of the best of you for each other. Live happily, Solomon says. Live happily that it's, it's possible, that it's strategic to live happily, that you make laughter the soundtrack of, uh, of your marriage, that you share moments of joy. And even in hard times, even when you're going through a tough stretch, even sometimes when you're at odds with each other, you find new ways to laugh. And, to, and, and, and if you have nobody to make fun of, make fun of yourselves, right? And, and, and laugh. I, I think that we all know that by sheer logic, that marriages are going to be better and happier when we make time for fun. Can I get an amen on that, somebody, right? And then sort of second underneath that category of doing what we did when we first fell in love is that we keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. And what I mean by that is the romance and, and, the, and, and, the, and the love and, the, and, and excitement of it. And, and the best way I know how to do that is by saying make dating a priority, Make make dating a priority. And you're like, oh, here we go again. Here's this guy talking about dating. I've been talking about this since we started this church. And when I'm old and decrepit, I'll walk up here and go, go on a date. You know, I don't know what I'll do. I don't know. I don't, hopefully I don't look that bad. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, m- make time together alone a priority. And you have to budget for this. And you have to budget not only money, But you have to budget the calendar. Like you have to say on the calendar, this is something that we're going to do. Because here's what I know about relationships. Time is the currency of relationships. I want you to think about, those of you who are parents with your kids, our kids don't want just, hey, take me to another fancy place, buy me another bunch of fancy stuff. What they always want, what we want from them, what they want from us is time. And it's the same that's true in your, your romantic relationships. So consistently invest time into your marriage. No excuses on this one, because some of us say, well, we don't have the money to go on dates. We We don't have a babysitter to go on dates. Look, man, go to Costco, get a slice of pizza, a Coke, a giant pretzel, and a thing of ice cream. It's like $4, right? Listen, have you ever been there? It's good, too. It's like this, the pizza's like this big, and you can like just share it if you have to. And then you can just make fun of people that they have so much food in their grocery cart, they could feed a small country in there. From Costco. It's like two of everything or eight of everything, right? And 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 doesn't have to be expensive. But here's the thing that I, I I think it's fascinating. Part of the reason you fell in love in the first place was because you were going out on dates and you were spending time together and you were having face-to-face conversations that were intimate and life-giving. And then all of a sudden, that we stopped doing them and then we wonder why it's not as fresh anymore, right? Why the love's not as fresh, why the magic's not as fresh, right? This is part of what, what makes it happen. And you're like, well, Danny, this is, none of this is very sp- spiritual. Well, y- yes, it is, actually. Uh, here, here's from the Bible, Song of Solomon, chapter 7. This this woman is talking to Solomon. They're having this kind of song back and forth. They sing these stanzas back and forth. And so here's what she says. She says, come, my lover, let's go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. You know what she's saying here? She's like, hey, babe, can we get on Hotwire and get a cheap night in Fredericksburg, right, in the villages? Come on, somebody. And and I'm telling you, listen to me. Now, this is the pro tip right here. Magic happens at the date night hotel night. I'm magic, I'm telling you. Can I just say magic because there's kids in the room right here? Like, and bonus tip, leave the kids at home with grandma. <laughs> some of you are like, but, but they'll cry. And then they'll stop. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not hard. I love my kids. They're here today. I love them. But listen, leave them at home. They're going to be fine. They'll cry for a minute, and then they'll move on without you. And some of you are like, well, if I leave them for a night, they'll, they'll end up in therapy. Listen to me. They're going to end up in therapy if you don't leave them sometimes. They had enough of you. Anyways, I'm just moving right along. This this, this is Bible. Like, go, leave the, I'm not trying to jack with you guys, but if your dates always include your kids, it's just not gonna have the same effect. You guys know what I'm saying by the effect? Like, find somebody to watch the kids for two hours and go somewhere. And matter of fact, what we learned a couple of years ago is that a lot of the big daycares in this area, On Friday nights, they have date night options where they'll take care of your kids. The one in Alamo Ranch, they'll take care of your kids for five hours for like 30 bucks. And you can do a lot in five hours. Can I get a witness, man? (laughs) You can go to Fredericksburg, magic it, and then come right back. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, moving along. (laughs) Too much. Too much information. Like, we we were dating, and when we were dating, we went on dates. And then what? We stopped because we got married? Right? That doesn't even make any sense. See, here's the thing. A lot of people put their marriage on hold while they're raising kids. But when they do this, they're gonna end up with an empty nest and an empty marriage. Seen this over and over and over again. Date, put it on the calendar. There should be a rhythm to to your marriage, a rhythm that includes dating. And so make it fun, keep it fresh. Three phrases that will help you with this. Ready? Write them down if you're taking notes. Number one, divert daily. Divert daily. Number two, withdraw weekly. And then thirdly, abandon annually so divert daily just every day try to work in some fun sometimes listen sometimes we'll be like meet me at chick-fil-a at 11:46, so we can have an 18 minute meal because i know you're busy and so am i but daily like and maybe that's a text that you send like, like a flirty text or hey i'm just checking in i love you you're hot whatever you might want to say but make sure that whatever text that you sent you make sure it goes to your spouse <laughs> and not like the last person that you texted because then it could get awkward you know what i'm saying especially if there's any pictures involved. Don't do that, you know what I'm saying? Second, withdraw weekly. When you have a day off, and some of you don't have many days, but when you do, man, make it fun and keep it fresh on those days off. And then, and then lastly, abandon annually. Have an annual vacation. And sometimes don't take the kids with you, just a couple's vacation. All right, again, some of you are like, well, why, what do we do for three or four days without our kids? They're gonna be fine, man. Listen, And listen, kids, let me tell you about, the the vacation when we take kids on vacation we love you kids but it's not really a vacation for us because what we become is we become your personal butlers and we become your personal payers so we pay for everything and take care of you and chase you around through parks and panic about six times when you disappear for you're over here but we didn't see you and then we panic it's no vacation. we come home we need a vacation from being on vacation with you you know what I'm saying come on guys give me a witness on this First service had my back a little harder on that than this one, this second service. Like, we love you kids, but sometimes we want to just leave you somewhere else, and we're going to go on and, 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 and spend the night in the villages. From now on, Is new language for, like, we need to go to the villages now. You know what I'm saying? That's the new, and it's biblical. It's biblical, right? So, here, here's the thing. We trick ourselves when we get married and have kids. We trick ourselves into saying, well, this is a season that we're in. So we're gonna cheat. We're gonna cheat having fun and dating, but it's only gonna last for a short time. In a few months or years it'll it'll go, it'll be different. If we can just hang on for this little time, it won't be so busy. But the problem is is those seasons turn into patterns. And those patterns turn into lifestyles. And before you know it, we're drifting apart because we're not having fun and we're not keeping it fresh. So give your best to each other, not your leftovers after you've given your best to everything and everyone else. Can I get a good amen, somebody? Second big thing is find ways to serve each other. We're talking about love handles, things that we can pick up to do this mutual submission thing. Find ways to serve each other expecting nothing in return. It doesn't have to be big things. Again, think think about the stuff you did when you fell in love, right? Little things that you used to do, sending notes, writing a little card, whatever, serving each other. For, for me, for me, and my wife has a million things, some of which I'm embarrassed to tell you that she, how she serves me, because some of it involves the fact that I still don't know how to use clippers very well, so she clips my nails. I, I didn't even mean to tell you that. I wasn't gonna tell you that, because it's humiliating. So I used to bite my nails, my teeth, uh, my teeth, I used to bite my nails, but then I got braces, and now my teeth don't touch together anymore, because they've jacked my bite all up, so now she has to clip my nails. So that's one of the ways she serves me, and you can say, man, poor Rachel, Right? <laughs> If you see what I do to these things, you would know why I let her do them, right? But one of the things that I wanna do for her to serve her is every morning I know how much she likes coffee. Like, like I drink coffee and I like it okay, but like when I bring her coffee, it's like she turns into a small child, like it's Christmas morning. And I know that now she's just doing it for my benefit, but it's like every morning she's like, oh, thank you for the co-. She knows I'm gonna bring it, I bring it every day. <laughs> But she makes me feel special, like, oh, you did something amazing for me. and That's just one of the things. But, and, and, and then I read a bunch of articles and some research that say, and ladies, I could be wrong, but this was ladies, articles written by ladies that, that you find it attractive when your husband uh, helps you do housework. Now, when I discovered that, I was like, I was like vacuuming, like everything, like doing, you remember Nacho Libre where he gets the pants too tight and he kind of stretches over and he's like, you know, trying to flex his thigh muscles or I don't know what's happening. Like I'm doing that, like, are you watching me vacuum right now, you know? Come on, somebody, you got to do whatever you can to keep the (laughs) villages alive, you know what I'm saying? So, serve. Now, Now, sometimes you serve in opposite ways, and what I mean by that is There's some stuff that we do by, we serving by doing, and then there's some stuff we serve by not doing, or we stop doing it. And and when I think about this, because this has been a personal struggle for me, um, and I'm trying to figure this out, is try to understand, this is mostly to the men, instead of fix. Try to understand instead of fix. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a fixer. So if my wife comes to me after a tough day, She's sad, she's mad, she's frustrated, angry. I want to listen for like two minutes, and then I want to go Dr. Phil on her and solve the problem. Come on, somebody with me on this. And this isn't what she's wanting 99.9% of the time. She's just wanting somebody to listen as she pours out her frustrations. Um, and, and this is why James, the little brother of Jesus, says this incredible line. verse Chapter 1, verse 19, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. And anytime you see a phrase like this in the Bible, it means what's coming next is very, very important. Anytime you see the Bible repeat itself, it's very important. He says, Take note of this. Everyone should be, look at this quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Notice there's a quick, slow, slow. Now, this is off topic for just a second. Slow is important as a rhythm in all areas of your life, but particularly in marriage. But our culture is pressing us harder and harder to go faster and faster and to be in a hurry all the time, and to be running and to be super busy. And hurry, listen to me, hurry is the enemy of intimacy. Hurry is the enemy of peace and joy and the fruit of the Spirit hurry should be warred against at all all options. That You should say with everything in you that we we are going to slow our lives down. It will increase the intimacy, but that's not what he was talking about here. I just wanted to say that. Fight for slow. Paying attention, and I think this is what he's getting at here, and listening is one of the greatest signs of respect and mutual submission that we can offer each other. Look, look at the word paying attention. It, it, it requires a cost. We pay attention. And one of the things that you have to do, what we learn in the crises of life, and it's something that you'll have to learn and keep learning it as I am, and that is never to judge a person's feelings and never try to talk them out of their feelings. A feeling is, it's not right. It's not wrong. It's simply a feeling. They feel it even if you don't feel it or think they should feel it. They're feeling it. And why is it that we think, and especially I think of men, we're most guilty of this, that when somebody else has a feeling that we're duty bound to sort of try to solve it for them. If it's frustration or if it's anger, like we want to gloss it over and so we can move on. And, and why, do, why do we do this? So the, the way that we serve is that we make the decision to just be there in each other's feelings and, and not try to talk each other out of them. If they're angry, man, be angry with them. If they're confused or grieving or whatever, just be there with them through it and, and don't try to speed up that process and don't try to talk them out of it when you, when you don't really feel the way they're feeling, you can at least just reach out and hold their hand and, and, and be with there and look them in, with them there and look them in the eyes and like I see you and I under, I'm trying to understand and I'm here no matter what I'm here with you through this That's a big deal it's a big deal I think I, I think a lot of, uh, of ladies in particular would say this is a big deal, so this is one of the ways that I can serve is by not trying to solve and not trying to fix and just be present and be in the moment and see and try to understand. The, the third big sort of category here is to speak life-giving words. Speak life-giving words. Can, can I just say it like this? I think that inside of every human being is like a bucket. And it's a bucket that if it had a label on it would be words of affirmation and and words of admiration. And that life, and let's be honest, people have a way of draining the good out of us. I don't, I don't know if you've ever had one of those weeks or one of those days where you just feel like, man, if one more person comes and pokes another hole in me, I don't know if I have anything left to drain out. And everybody, your spouse has these buckets, and everybody has them, and your kids have these buckets in them. And it's up to us, those who, who love each other, to, to, to help fill up the buckets, and one of the best ways that I know how is to speak words of life. Proverbs 18, I think it's 21, Solomon says that the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. That, that our words are loaded with, with, with life and with joy and with hope and with encouragement, or they can be loaded with a little bit of death. I've seen grown men my age and older, who, who when you start talking to them about their dads will tear up in a split second because their dads didn't fill up the bucket or their dad spoke words of death in their life. And I, I, I've seen them, no matter how old they get, they, they don't ever get away from the, the power of the words that their dad had over them or he didn't have for them. The tongue has the power of life and death. And and, and we're talking about words of life, particularly in relationships. And the Bible is full of these words. It says things like accept one another. In other words, don't try to fix. Don't try to correct. Don't try to control. Accept one another. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Honor one another above, above yourself. We learned that last week. Bear one another's burdens. Serve one another. These are all words of life. And we actually practice these. We learn how to do them in our marriages. And this is how we offer mutual submission. This is how we pick these things up and carry them out. But, but it gets even more practical than that. What, what kind of words did you say, what, are you saying to each other when, when your marriage is at its best? What are you doing in those moments? Like Go back and say that again. Like, like, like I think of it even, even more practically like, like, like never leave the house without saying, hey, I love you, because you don't know what could happen. You don't know what might happen during the course of a day. You don't live in fear, but you don't know what you say. So you just never leave the house without saying, I, I, I love you and, and, I, and I'm praying for you. Or, or I say, I think one of the most potent words that especially a wife can say to her husband, because husbands, I'll tell you this about men. This is a dirty little secret. Most of us grew up wanting to hear certain words that we didn't hear. And so we're kind of affirmation junkies, men are. A lot of us are, that we just need somebody to go, hey, you're doing a great job, and we can live on that. And, and so for, for our spouse to look us right in the eyes and say, hey, listen, babe, I believe in you. I, I know work is hard right now. I know the business isn't going as well. I know, I know whatever, but hey, listen, I believe in you. Man, that's a life-giving word, and, and, and it, it, it brings something in there. And So, so we say to each other, thank you, because one of the first phrases that goes out the window when we're married is thank you. We start to just assume that that's what they do, and, and I'm grateful for you, and I love you, and I think you look hot today. Like, whatever it is, you just, you, you, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. W- words of life. And, and then I want to give you one word to sort of take out and throw out of your vocabulary. It's a word of death, and it's the word divorce. And, and I see that, and, and this is not to shame anybody who's been through a divorce or or, or or who said stuff like this. But listen, I've seen people just throw the word around, divorce around like it's like it's a regular word. It's not a regular word. It's a word of death, and it is loaded with 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 with. Power and, 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 and death, it's powerful even when you don't even mean it, but you just sort of throw, throw it out there to shut down an argument or, or, to, or, 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 or to stick somebody bad. But it says to the other person, hey, our relationship is very, very fragile and super tenuous at best. Even when you say later, I didn't really mean that. Implicit in that is that there's no security in our marriage. You can't relax around me. You can't know I'm with you for the long haul. It's a word of death, man. Take it out. Throw it away. Pinky promise never to do it again if you have. Listen, th- 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 take the word off the table and replace it with better words of life. Because so many marriages are struggling because somebody doesn't feel appreciated or doesn't feel valued or doesn't feel respected or feels unattractive. And, and the words of life can turn that around. Words of life. The last one and probably the most important is guard your heart. Guard your heart. Can I just tell you that mutual submission and admiration and respect and honor is almost impossible a thing to do if your heart is jacked up. What's in your heart, the Bible teaches us over and over again, what's in your heart is ultimately going to come out into your relationships. Je- Jesus says it like this in Luke chapter 6, the good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces what? Come on, say it with me. Produces what? Produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And this is why Solomon would say in Psalm or Proverbs 4, Above all else. Now when Solomon says this, he's written a lot of wise words in the Proverbs and the Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes. He's written incredible words, but he says, listen, above all else, this is the one thing I need you to pay attention to. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Keep the bad stuff out. Make sure that nothing bad's in there. Take it out if it is. Guard your heart. And then he says, and then he says, for everything you do, everything you do in your relationships, every way in which you treat your spouse, every way way in which you handle your romance, everything that you do during the course of the day, the way that you argue, the way you handle stress, the way you handle crisis, everything you do, he says, flows from your heart. That is, when you're in a relationship with another person, the way you relate to them is just the overflow of your heart. And here's the problem, guys. There's a brokenness inside of every one of us, you, me, all of us. And it's that brokenness, that pain, that shame, that guilt, that sin that causes us to do the very things that we hate to the people that we love the most. I'm going to ask everybody to stay still real quick, all right? It's that very thing that we, we hate that we end up doing the most. It's the brokenness inside of us that causes us to do that. How, how many times, and this is me personally, how many times have I felt so foolish or ashamed at something I said or something I did to, to my kids or, or to my wife, wondering later, why did you do that and why did you say that and, and why didn't you just walk back in there and say, I'm sorry I did that? Because that's what a whole person would do, is go back in there and apologize. But inevitably, I'll find myself just sitting in my own brokenness and my own pride and just going, I'm not gonna go do that. Why? My heart the brokenness of my own heart. There's something about romance, there's something about marriage and, and those permanent relationships that brings out the best in us, but it also brings out the worst in us. Am I right? But it will only ever bring out what's already inside your heart. That's what Jesus was getting at. That's what Solomon was trying to say. And this is why people who make ultimate commitments to each other end up making each other matter than any other person on the planet. We've all found this out, right? See, so if your heart isn't in good shape, it will be almost impossible to maintain healthy relationships over the long haul. So you want to swipe right? Start with you. Stop blaming anybody else. and Start with you. Look in the mirror. God, help me. Help me understand what's going on in my heart and my life that could be causing damage. And that's why I'm finishing with this one. It's going to be tough to do mutual submission. It's going to be tough to pick this up and honor each other, to give the right of way to each other, put others first if your heart is all jacked up. And maybe it's time for some of us to just do an inventory of your heart. Why do you do the things that you do? Why are you acting the way you're acting? Why do you say the things that you, you say? Why are you cheating fun? Why are you cheating romance? Why are you cheating all this stuff? What, what is it about it? Is it a, is it a them problem or is it, a, is it a you problem? Chances are there's some you involved in this. David... King David, the psalmist David, he writes this incredible psalm, one of my favorite passages of of text in all the Bible, Psalm 139. I challenge you to go home and read Psalm 139 today. It's an amazing passage about how God sees you and about how God knows what's going on. And here's what David says in Psalm 139, verse 23. He says, Search me, God, and know my heart, and test me, and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there is any offensive way in me. And then Lead me into the way everlasting. I I don't have this in your notes. I don't have it on the screen. But Psalm 51, this is um, after David has sinned with Bathsheba, that whole thing that went down. And the prophet confronts him. He writes this psalm in response. And he says, God, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I think that if some of us were to examine our hearts and to see why is my marriage struggling? Why is my relationship struggling? It's not just the other person. A lot of times there's a lot of you involved in this and it's time to search my heart, God. Show me, God. And listen, if, if, you, if you can't do that and if you can't get to the place where you're hearing what God says, ask somebody in your life who has wisdom. Hey man, what do you see going on in my life? What do you, what's the fruit of my life telling you? about my, what's going on in my heart. And if you find that person who's honest and wise, I guarantee you they'll help you with this to say, hey, listen, here's some stuff I see that you should probably think about some, to work on. But you start right here. God, see if there's any wicked way in me. I want us to pray together. And I want you, I want you wherever you are. I don't care what, if your relationship is awesome, that's fantastic. If it's struggling a little bit, I first of all hope you'll find this church a place of grace and hope and love and people who will come alongside of you. But whatever the case, let's start with our hearts. So pray with me, would you? Lord Jesus, we come to you in this place today. And God, we know, we know that you want the best for us. We know that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from you. We know that it's your good pleasure, Lord, for us to, to live a, a life uh, happy with the one that you gave us, Lord. To rejoice and the wife or the husband of our youth, oh God. And Lord, you want to help us with that. You want to give us the grace to do that. But there's some work on our part of it, God. There's some there, there's, there's some heaviness that we got to pick up and walk out of here with. And Lord, I just pray that as we search our hearts this week, that maybe as we read Psalm 139 this week, maybe as we think about how it was when we first fell in love, the things that we did then, God, that you would just sort of show us, expose the things in us that are not like you, that are not affirming, that are not Christ-honoring, that are not honoring. And help us, Lord, to deal with that stuff. Help us, Lord, to understand the stuff that gets in the way, and the stuff that is causing grief and damage. And, Lord, help us to understand. Help us to make it fun. Help us to keep it fresh. Help us to serve with no strings attached. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. I pray your blessings over our time. and Thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. Hey, can we give the Lord a hand real quick? I'm going to ask our ushers to come and get ready to receive the tithe and the offering. While they're doing that, I want to have a quick conversation. Thank you, Jamal. Give it up for Jamal, everybody, our lead usher, everybody. Thank you, Jamal. I want to invite my friend, Benit June, Pastor Benit, to come up real quick. You guys can go right ahead and receive the tithes and the offerings. I think it's important that we talk about Uh, what we're going to talk about during this time. Um, Give it up for Pastor Benit, everybody. Just real quick, um, this is Pastor Benit June. He's from a a town called Villiers in Haiti. Many of you have been there uh, over the past several years as we've gone down there. Um, This is a man, and I'm just going to brag on him for a minute. Uh, He wouldn't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, A man of tremendous vision, a man of tremendous uh, heart for his country, He's a man with education. Um, he could be here in the States or in Canada or wherever he wanted to be, uh, having a completely different kind of a life than he lives uh, down in Haiti. But his heart and his passion, like if you were to cut this man open, he would bleed Haiti, right? Because he loves those people. He loves those, particularly those children. And, and most everything that he's doing down in Haiti is with an eye on kids. And so I just want to say, thank you so much for being with us. We're so excited you're here. Thanks for being here today, man.
0: Thank you, Pastor Danny. I want to thank you big time for allowing me to be here. Thank your wife, and the leadership of this church. And uh, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's always a pleasure to come here and you cook for us. He's a good cook.
1: <laughs> There's a reason I look like this. Yeah, uh. So
0: last night, uh, you know, you took me to a restaurant, and I... Uh, just trust him because he knows good food
1: yeah it's my spiritual gift (laughs) I don't have any other gifts just that one yeah Yeah.
0: so I just want to thank you so much and uh, all of you that have been in Haiti to help us in the work that we are doing I'm here to uh, come and uh, say thank you so much and uh, thank you for your support to the work uh, down there You know, one man may have the vision, but it always takes a team to bring it to pass. And a team of people that will pray, a team of people that will support and believe in what we are doing. And we could, will not be able to do it without you guys. And we want to thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Um, So again, some of you have been down there with us before, and we'll go again. Um, But from a school there, you said that has about 816 kids. 816 children. Again, just remind us about how the education system works in Haiti.
0: So in Haiti, uh, 87% uh, of the education is in the hands of uh, the private sector. Yeah. And only 13% uh, is done by the government. Right. And uh, because the government doesn't have really the means to take care of everything that's going on. And uh, because of that, uh, it's like, there's a different levels of education yeah. uh, that is being given down there because sometimes you find many people they're trying to use it as a way to make money. It right. becomes like a business. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> nevertheless, uh, for me personally, I'm the kind of person that believes really big time in education and our motto down there is Jesus plus education equals success. Right, beautiful. And everything that I want to do, I want to do it with excellence. Yeah. We want to give those kids, you know, most of the kids that we are working wi- with You know, they come from, uh, you know, very unprivileged families, uh, families that don't know how to read. And we are working with the most uh, uneducated, uh, you know, group of people down there. But somehow, we're trying to give the best to those kids, and we want to give them the best education possible because we are big-time believer
1: in education. And so um, you can see these kids here. there's about three different school campuses that are on the properties that, that Pastor Benit and his church and team have bought. Uh, this is one of the buildings. Can, can we, have we shown any of those other buildings? Leslie, can you, yeah. Well, that's, can we back up one time? Maybe back up, back up, back up a little bit, back up, back up. I think we're going forward anyway. Yeah, so this, some of you guys have been down there and worked on this building. This building, what, this building, what, took about three, three years uh, yes, to build? Yes, uh, we, I think it
0: took us about five years. Five uh, years, yeah. You know, to get it down there. So I think some of you went to Haiti to help us uh, into that building. And the amazing part is some people went down there and they said, okay, what are we going to do? Uh, because they are not uh, too handy. Right. But somehow they went down there. <laughs> and uh they use screwdrivers uh, they carry concrete they carry cement yeah. and they did some painting they uh how do you say that they 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 they, they uh, you know they clean up uh, uh, they spill some paint yeah. on the floor right so yeah that, that was, was my job too. <laughs> clean, up <the> <laughs> <laughs> clean up the paint
1: listen 816 uh-huh. kids um and i went there the first time i went i went in april when the school semester was still going on and I would drive in the dark early in the morning to come and to, to meet with Benid and to plan the trips. And you'd see these kids walking literally for miles um, to come to school every day because there were no schools around and except this school here. Uh, in the last few years, you felt God laid on your heart to start an orphanage, which you started in your own home. Yes. And so now you have how many kids now?
0: We have 16 children
1: But God's given you a vision to build a a big building, and that's what you're uh, working on right now. Yeah, that's
0: what we're in the process of doing. That's this
1: here now, Uh, right? Yeah,
0: it's three-story. We're going to use the first-story building, you know, the first-story for Sunday school, and then the two other stories will be used for the orphanage. So we're planning to bring about, uh, you know, 40 to 50 children there. And uh, what we want to do is to do it in a very strategic way where we'll bring kids from each department or each state of Haiti and train them, educate them, and make sure that, uh, you know, get them a trade or a profession so that, uh, you know, they can go back to their village and uh, become a light, uh, you know, to, the, to that place. So yeah. that's what we want to do. We just want to, br- to, b- to build the team much bigger so that we can help change the face of that country.
1: One of the things that, if you, those of you who've been down there several times, Pastor Benit always has a project going on. And generally, he has one that he's working on and one or two or three in the queue that he's going yes. to be working on. Sometimes he starts them ahead of time. They, they do things there differently than we do. We like, we we have this we, we hire architects and we do this stuff we get a loan and they give us the money to pay for it but they they build it as they're going all the way through so there are projects going on, and you've got a you've got a vision for a youth center that you want to do what with?
0: Yes, uh, I'm trusting the Lord to provide in a big way this year to complete uh, the orphanage building because we need uh, you know to paint to plaster to put ceramic tiles electrical uh, you know solar panels and so on and once I'm done uh, this year, next year I'm going to start with the Youth Center Project. The reason for the Center Project is to bring young people from all over Haiti and bring them into that place. I'd like to bring young people from the shanty towns, from the ghettos, you know, bring them into uh, that place for 10 days, uh, 15 days, and, you know, make sure that that place is very nice, maybe four star, I don't know, Yeah. but... Uh, But I really would like to bring professional servers uh, that will will teach them uh, money management, time management, value system, uh, you know, politics, environments. And the reason for that, you know, for instance, uh, Haiti, there is a big deforestation going on. And we would like to bring those kids into that place and help them change their mindset. And one thing that we want to do, you know, have it, uh, have a nice landscape and also like to be able on that ground you know have a very nice garden with uh, nurseries Uh, what I mean by nursery is like uh, I really would like for them to come as they see those gardens as they see you know how beautiful it is and I'd like for them to go back home with trees that can go back and plant and uh, make Haiti more beautiful so I will take uh, uh, architects I wish I could find some architects that can help me draw that youth center and also to take people, uh, because we do things. I don't wait for, for to have, uh, you know, lots of money to start. I start with Father God. Yep, yep. And then we just keep moving, keep moving. So it would be nice to have some of you come next year and uh, put your hands, get your hands dirty. Yeah. Uh, into that project.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, we got we to gotta let you guys go. Let me just say this in closing. Uh, thank you, all of you who give uh, when you do. This is one of the places that you're, you're giving is making a difference. And I would just wanna to say to this, he's got some big projects in the works. Um, if any of you feel like God was laying on your heart to give something extra um, to that, you can do that at our kiosk. You can write a check and just write Haiti on there. At our kiosk, you can, you can put missions and, and target Haiti and every single penny we will make sure that we send down to him. He, we're gonna give him, um, a check today above and beyond what we already do every month to just help with some of those projects. Um, but if you feel God leading you in any way to do that, please do that. And the last thing I'll say is on your way out to, on the right, he's got uh, some incredible Haitian coffee. This is good, good coffee. He's strong. got some strong, like you'll grow. Funny if you didn't aspect, have a beard, you'll yeah. grow a beard like very fast or whatever. Not the ladies, though. Only your hair will grow longer or more voluminous. But he's also got the good kind of vanilla extract, not the cheap kind you get at the grocery store. They got that back there. And so support him on the way out. Um, Go check out some pictures. If you've got any questions about anything, he's going to be back there in just a second. Hey, but stand with us real quick, everybody. High five somebody, bump a fist, hug, ignore, whatever your comfort level is. God bless you. Have a great spring break, kids. Have a great day. God bless you. Have a great one.